My brother Rami got some, got some wise words for you. Before I go, my voice is gone because y'all crazy. This is amazing. Um, real serious though. I wrote this next track. I'm going to do a cappella without no music. If y'all don't know, in the very beginning of the revolution in January 9th, my cousin was actually killed out protesting, okay? He was shot twice in the back and later died that day. And so I wrote this song to honor him and to honor all the martyrs. Okay? It's called The Martyrs. Breakfast is tear gas and burnt tires here. Digging in your flesh, bullets from the liars here. Who do you believe in? Who moves you? Who inspires you? My name is Tariq Teray, and I want you to meet some of the people that inspire me. And they've done that simply because no matter the situation, they've gone above and beyond. Welcome to Above and Beyond. Assalamu alaikum, and thank you for coming on to the Above and Beyond podcast with myself, Tariq Teray. Today, we have one of the, I believe, voices of a generation when it comes to documenting what is happening in the diaspora, and particularly Sudan, from, from the standpoint of someone who is living in the U.S. and trying to keep a pulse on what is going on there, but also making sure that an American flavor, that American bebop, and that American hip-hop is still infused in the work that he's doing. That's none other than Rami Daoud, who is a Sudanese-American rapper, actor, songwriter, and activist. He is of Nubian descent, and his family originates from the ancient Nubian town of Wadi Halfa, Sudan. Rami Dawood's music is known for its lyrics highlighting life in the diaspora. He is perhaps best known for his starring role in the award-winning short film, Faisal Goes West. Thank you so much for coming on, Brother Rami. And we were trying this again. We were, we were on another platform <laughs> and we got disconnected. And I just told yeah. him that basically this, this shouldn't be a, anything unfamiliar as far as, you know, the phone call. <laughs> So alhamdulillah, I'm happy that we, we you know, we um we got back on that. Yeah, man. First of all, assalamu alaikum, bro. And uh, thank you for having me, man. It's it's an honor to be on here on this podcast with you. It's an honor just to be speaking with you. Um, you know, thanks for that beautiful introduction. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been peeping your work too, man, and uh, you know, impressed, uh, blown away. Whatever you wanna, whatever you wanna put to describe it, man, it's 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 not enough, you know, to say about your incredible work. I'm a thank fan, you. so uh, I'm honored to be on here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, I have to I have to mention the first song to. I know you got the 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 title from Ubuntu. I am because yeah. we are right. Yeah. And so that was giving people flowers <laughs> while they still alive. <laughs> So yeah. this is one of my, you know, I'm an artist myself, but this was one of the ways that I felt like it would be an excuse. For, I say this process every time. It's an excuse for me to, like, interview people who I think are dope, um, especially within, like, the Black Muslim stratosphere. So that was the one excuse. And another thing was that, you know, we need to have people who, who've moved the culture, documenting our records so that we can say, you know, we did we did try our best within our own mediums and platforms to give them their flowers. So, approaching that song, I was like, okay, all right, pressure's on, <laughs> pressure's on. Um, before before we got cut, I asked you about early upbringing and and just what your childhood, how your childhood informed your music that you have now and that you're producing. 
And could you tell the folks a little bit about that? Give us a rundown about that uh, really quick um, about your, you know, your childhood and, and how you got yeah. music and art period. You know, my childhood, man, coming up, I was always intrigued by art in, in all forms. Um, you know, I mentioned to you earlier before we got started recording is that, you know, I've, I fell in love with drawing and, and sketching before music. You know, I remember my aunt used to give me, buy me, you know, like a sketch pad and, and colored pencils or whatever. And, and that was just something I fell in love with. And then, you know, transitioned to the music after that and then acting and everything. So coming up, um, you know, in the U.S., I was heavily influenced by, you know, Black American culture, obviously. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I had the, uh, the, the privilege of knowing my heritage in Sudan, my Nubian uh, background. So it was kind of like having the best of both worlds, man. Those both mm-hmm. sides played a big role. And uh, in the beginning, it was a struggle trying to fit in either one. But then I accepted that I'm not one or the other. I'm just a combination of, of all of these things. Mm. While I was, my family, you know, my parents are born and raised in one place. I was born in an, another place. And then I was raised in a completely entire, uh, <laughs> you know, part of the world. So all these things uh, played a big role, man. And it's like, you know, this is who I am. And, and I try to tell my story from that perspective. Now, I, I accepted that I'm a combination of all these things. And alhamdulillah, I'm able to, uh, I'm able to tell our stories from that uh special perspective yeah yeah well i i think it's always like because it's like living inside of the machine so mm-hmm. many people around the world are touched by the machine right, right? That they're influenced and affected by the machine however when you actually get to be inside of it and you you're in the land of us you're in disneyland in some places you know here where you get to realize like, oh, people here are living, this is sort of like a fantasy world <laughs> that, that, that some people live in here. And I think that without that perspective, it's hard to paint those pictures. You know, it's hard to paint those pictures because you want to give people the reality and show what it, what is the benefit to people that are living in the West of maybe other people suffering around the world? Um, and how are people right. living in that way? So, you know, just... It, it all happens for a reason. It all happens for a reason. I wanted to ask you, so so who are your, who are your West Coast influences? Um, West Coast influences, honestly, I mean, I'm a Midwest artist, so it's like, you know, being in the Midwest, man, we're influenced by all sides, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually grew up listening to more East Coast rap than West Coast. Oh, rap. okay, all right, cool, cool. You get me? Um, right. my, favorite, my favorite, you know, rapper of all time is Nas. So oh, that's, okay, that's, right. that's like, I, I came up on, I, just, I can't just speak and say I came up on one thing because I, I was listening to like down south New Orleans music too. So it's like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up listening to, you know, I could put on Nas and then switch it to like Cash Money Millionaires and then go <laughs> on. And, so it's like, you know, I came up with a little bit of everything, man. But, um, you know, my f- favorite artist to this uh, of modern era, I guess, would say the late Nipsey Hussle. Mm. To give my respects to the West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, Nipsey, not not just for his music, man, but I admired him for who he was outside of the music as well. And I guess he connected with me being, you know, a man from East Africa as well uh, through his father's side. That was yeah. something that kind of resonated with me more. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's like the third culture kid type of type of same type of background, and you, you again, you you get a different perspective. And so sometimes if you don't, if only meeting uh, kids who are on that, that side of culture, you, you really wouldn't understand. Um, yeah. So, so I want to I go ahead and get right into it. Um, one of the lyrics in Martyr's song, I believe, yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong. You say, we ain't going home until we get what's rightfully ours. Yeah. And so can you speak to what that means? Because I think that might have went over a lot of people's heads. So, you know, during the uh, during the revolution, uh, well, the revolution is still going on. It's not something that just ends when the violence stops. But when people were out uh, protesting around this time last year in uh, in Khartoum and other cities in Sudan, 
there was a lot of violence going on. The, the, the government that has now been toppled since then mm-hmm. uh, used very violent tactics to try and disperse the sit-ins, the peaceful sit-ins that the population uh, was taking part in. Uh, shooting people, you know, aiming to kill. There was no aiming to just, you know, hurt people. That, that That's not really a thing. They were aiming to kill. Um, and so when I said that line, we, we're not going home until we get what's rightfully ours. I was, in, in one way, I was speaking directly um, as someone, now I wasn't out there, obviously, I'm here in the U.S., but the people out there, they're not going home regardless of what's going on. You know, there was bullets literally raining down on them. Mm. They were out there day and night. I mean, they camped in front of the uh, military headquarters for like two and a half months before they, 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 uh, before they got together and went along with the sit-ins, there were protests. Uh, and and so many people got killed, man, including my cousin, Alad Hamu. Um, so we're not going home until we get what's rightfully ours is what they did. Um, they weren't afraid. They were literally willing to risk it all for their, you know, to, to, to topple this oppressive regime. And that's what they did. And can you can you explain how long this particular regime had been in power? Man, for 30 years, since 1989. This this uh, this man Omar al Bashir came to power uh, through a coup, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they they managed to stay in power for thirty years. So there's a whole generation that has grown up knowing nothing else but this oppressive regime, and they thought you know some people once you, like you said you're in the machine you begin to accept that this is you know this is how life should be. This is the way of life. Mm-hmm. You know and uh, yeah. And so one of one of my friends, she was explaining that, of course, now you know, thirty years of span of time, so many newborns, so many uh, children grown up in this, so many people become well adjusted, that it it sort of had had become muddy where you have you might have people that you know, distant relatives that work within government, mm-hmm. and how this was also a disturbance and kind of a, a bringing them home as well to understand like, look, all right, you know, let's, let's take off the, the, the rose colored glasses and, and see things for yeah. what they really are and exposing um, some, some of the, the just outright injustices that people have been facing for a very long time. And uh, I think one of the, one of the things that struck me and I remember writing, writing uh, the poem that was shared a lot, uh, was about just how how brothers there were that were protesting were uplifting women, mm-hmm. um, and that one particular iconic image uh, of the sister standing on the car, yeah, and just what that what kind of what that imagery meant. And so, if you could explain, just maybe if the, if if that had a very heavy meaning for you and what what that image meant um, to other people and just the history of that. So that specific image, um, I actually went up, um, if you look on my Instagram feed, I actually went and uh, I put it side by side. I did this little portrait of the girl, uh, the sister standing on top of the car. Mm-hmm. And on the other side next to it was a, a, a portrait of a Kandaka, um, a Nubian uh, ruling queen from the ancient times of her standing, protecting the Nubians in the war. And it was... And it was literally the exact same pose. Mm. So it really hit home for me when I looked at that because as someone that's very so much in tune and 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 um, you know I I study my history. You get me like this is something that I I'm I'm very attached to. When I looked at that, that's the first image that came to my mind, and I put them side by side and I uploaded it on my Instagram. Mm. Uh, and uh, you know obviously you know in a country like Sudan where women um, have not had the best of uh, treatment under the oppressive regime for a woman, a sister like that, a young sister to, to, to get up and, and lead other sisters like her in, in chanting, you know, uh, for freedom, for peace, for justice. Uh, that was breaking that wall of fear, breaking that barrier, that, that barricade of, you know, you can no longer... You can no longer shake us with with your violence. You can no longer silence us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, 
you know, we, we, we study who our ancestors were and mm -hmm. we're inspired by them. And we're going to continue that legacy once again. Mm -hmm. So, because myself, like we're from Baltimore, you, there is, there is this, I guess, constant recoil and just like return to when um, the uprising happened. Mm. And three minutes into anything, so okay, so what about the uprising? So what about, and it's like, you know, yeah. like other life kind of happens and un understandably so, it's a very charged moment. Right. A lot of people's lives are affected. But from your standpoint, and I know, you know, this is probably one of many, many interviews, many conversations that you've had to have. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm always, I'm always concerned and, and thinking about is family bonds. Yeah. And what do situations like this do with family? And is this a situation where now you all, you, you all have sat down in, in the living rooms and, and long car rides and had heart to hearts about this last 30 years in these last, you know, this last decade, in this last year. And could you say these things have strengthened your family bonds? Uh, have it put some trouble in the water? And, and how are you working through those types of things? And uh, I say that because I'm thinking about another lyric in your song, in okay. one of your songs where you say, um, you say, I'm still in pain, I just manage a smile. Yeah. Um, you know, Again, taking off the rose-colored glasses, like you said. Mm -hmm. This whole this whole ordeal with Sudan, because you know Sudan is a multi-ethnic nation. Mm -hmm. We're not just a single group of people called Sudanese. Uh, right. We don't all we don't all look alike. We don't all speak the same language. We don't all have the same beliefs. Mm -hmm. And um, it's difficult for me, even now, to celebrate. And this is why I said the revolution is not over yet, because how can I celebrate something that the center, you know, the capital city may benefit from? And even within that specific, a specific group of people in a specific town can benefit from. Mm. You got people in the forest still suffering as if nothing has happened. You got people in the Blue Nile state still suffering. You got people in South Kurdistan in the Nuba Mountains still suffering. Mm. Until the and those are the same people that suffered the most from the revolution uh, prior. I mean, from the regime, mm. right? So when you got the group, the same people that were facing the, the 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 most oppression, still today facing the most oppression. How how much forward have we actually moved? Mm. So in my eyes, and in my and, and a lot of people don't like me saying this because. They say I'm being divisive or I'm, I'm being negative, but to me it's reality, you know, reality. Mm -hmm. And as an artist, I have to portray reality for what it is, the positive right. and the negative. I can't choose sides. You know, the truth is the truth, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and me being a privileged Northerner, um, that kind of, it, it, it brings up some conflict within, with my family that's uh, mostly my family back in Sudan. My family here in the U.S. Um, they have we have somewhat of a similar understanding because mm -hmm. you know we both live here and whatnot. But you know, like I'll have a cousin out celebrating in Khartoum, and then you know if I say these things, they doesn't sit well sometimes. And so we have to have those conversations. Mm. It's like I want to celebrate with them. I'm I'm happy for them, but at the same time, you know, we have to. We have to step back and, and, and look at the bigger picture. We can't be yeah. selfish with our happiness and our celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean it's almost I mean just systems and power, they they it's like they uh it's like you seen the Terminator with 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 a guy T one thousand is like that melted metal and he can like melt yeah. and it's like power, you can cut it in half. Yeah, uh, you know breaking a million pieces, but so many, some type of way, it starts to just reform. It may right. even, may even come back stronger and just in a different, um, in a different lens. So I, I definitely, um, I, I deeply understand that. And so your cousin that passed away, he was, I guess, on your, more your side of the argument. Then. 
Well, he was he he was he passed away. He was out protesting, and they uh, they had shot him. Mm-hmm. It was in the big. Be- it was in the very beginning of the revolution. I think like in the first week of the when the protesting had started. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he was out with his brothers out protesting, and they had shot him, and he passed away later that day. Mm-hmm. So it's like imagine imagine I I meet that his family, you know his his siblings, you know my cousins and. I tell them something like, hey, you know, I'm not really satisfied with where we're at as a nation or as a people. And and they're trying to celebrate his life and what he, you know, he what he risked. Mm. It's a very sensitive, um, you know, conversation to have. You, you have to approach yeah. it properly. Yeah. 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 No, that, I mean, I think I think that makes sense. Um, I think that makes sense um, for you. What could you say, I guess, now now things that you're working on and what is like the next frontier of art that you that you want to, I guess, get into a bit more? Because you just, you just such, I mean, over this past year, um, mm-hmm. I, know you, I don't know whether you feel like, man, I'm winded, <laughs> but <laughs> you put out a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. You put out a lot. And... I know sometimes, you know, after going on a sprint artistically, you can sit back and be like, oh, man, I got to catch your breath. I got to catch my <laughs> breath. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, when you were performing uh, Martyr Song, uh, the video when you were performing Martyr Song, um, and you had to stop and gather yourself. Right. And I was like, he's energized, but he's fatigued. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's almost like watching somebody uh, playing a sport where they're still functioning at a high level, but it's you know, whenever mode. they get, a, yeah, it's playoff mode. It's like whenever they get a break, <laughs> man, they gonna they gonna be laid out for a while. So, what is the next? I guess the next gearing up of art look like for you? Yeah, so I'm currently sitting on a bunch of songs, man. I'm sitting on like ten, fifteen songs that Ooh. I wrote over, over the past. I don't know, over the past year, maybe, I've just been writing and, and recording whenever I can. I've been doing a lot of traveling, too, so it's been, you know, kind of hectic. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to get into is not just the music, but I want to get into more of a... I want to drop, like, short films. Mm. I guess you could call them musical short films. Okay. Uh, because I want to really be more vivid with... Okay with what I want to portray. And this might be of interest to you. Um, what I've been really leaning on is not just like the Sudanese um, aspect of it. I've been really writing songs from my American upbringing, Kansas mm. City, mm. Um, from that version of myself. I want, I yeah. want to tell a lot more of that story of myself. Yeah. I feel like I haven't told that enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need so to. I've been, I've been doing a lot of that. I've been writing a lot of those songs from that aspect yeah we need we need those we need those yeah i think one uh, so like growing up muslim in the city i always say like muslims everywhere from everywhere all types of people so you just get exposed to a lot of different people right but i think a lot of times people sort of forget uh, the other side of diaspora kids and like what what does it look like for them, you know, for, for them growing up and like how they've been shaped and everything like that? Yeah. A lot of times because you're Muslim, you know, at the masjid is everybody from everywhere a lot right. of times. Right. So especially like myself, you know, you, you 18, you're 19, you're not even really thinking about it. You're not even segmenting your friends. You don't really call into account, uh, you know, oh, but this is my homie. He from he from uh, Gambia. Oh, my yeah. other homie. He from Guinea. Oh, you know this other dude. He's from Egypt. Oh, this other dude. Right. Is it's just like your your friends, but right. it's like as you get older, you start to realize one. You yeah. start, start to deepen yourself and your history. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like I agree, man. I look back. I look back. Like even 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 like up until like throughout high school, even. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I kicked it with, with everybody, man. I was like a chameleon. Like I could I could put on different hats, you know. I could I could even switch the way I speak. Fit in with certain groups. Uh-huh. But it's like after you graduate and, and, and you kinda get into quote unquote the real world, 
your circle gets a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I so I went to uh, I went to an HBCU and um, yeah. it's so funny because I mean went to went to school a, a lot of people from like Nigeria, a lot of people from like Cameroon, and so my first day on campus, this dude was was just uh, like skinny uh, skinny Nigerian dude was standing on the campus watching everybody bringing their stuff in. He was telling everybody he he runs this dorm. This is my dorm. He's yeah. like, I'm Luke. I didn't know until I seen it yet. His name was Luke Mon. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, he's, his, his name is Luke Mon Lawal. So if y'all listening, look out for Luke Mon Lawal. He's one of the most uh, dynamic marketing moguls out there. But nevertheless, I just say that because we I'm not saying that we shave parts of ourselves off, but when we develop a friend group that we know, know and love dearly, we're not every two seconds telling them like, hey, you know, I'm the son of such and such and such and such, such and such, yeah. my family. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, we're just kicking it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, th- that side, wh- what do you think that the, the other side, that Midwest kid side will come out to look like? Uh, I feel like a lot of people might be surprised, man, because I feel like this sort of image that I have now on the internet is, you know, I advocate for like peace and, and whatnot. But at the same time, you know, that's not all there is to me. Like I, you know, coming up, you know, I knew, I knew kids that was involved in, you know, in gang culture and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and these stories, they have to be told. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to glorify it, but we have to speak about it. Mm-hmm. It has to be said. So a lot of people may not know that about me, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, like Kansas City, you know, in the 2000s was not the most peaceful place, you know, so. Yeah. It's, uh, and yeah, like I said, man, it just needs to be said. And I feel like not just for my audience, mm-hmm. I feel like it helps me mm-hmm. um, find peace within myself because that's a lot of weight that I'm carrying and I need to release that energy. Mm. I can't hold these stories in. It bothers me. Like, you know, like it really bothers me just to have so many stories that I want to tell and mm-hmm. I'm holding on because I'm afraid what people might think, or I'm afraid of the feedback I'll get. I, and you know, you just get to a point where you can't live like that as an artist. You, you mm-hmm. got Whatever you have to say, you have to say it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you pivoted that way because, you know, sometimes you can, you can come into your, especially like, what, Remember a few interviews that that I've done, and so I'm happy when somebody says, "Hey, I want you to look at this." You know, the whole goal is like, I know you have a particular set of questions, and maybe a, a general perspective of of what you think and what you perceive. But I want you to to take a look at this, and so that what you just said sticks out to me because early two thousands, let's say maybe like ninety nine to 2010 yeah. like buzz and crips exploded in baltimore same in kc that's that, that was a big thing yeah and it was like a summer pass and next thing you know we was living in compton <laughs> and i was yeah. like what? yeah but the especially price with us paid, like i said man. we have we have very like a big west coast influence so like um you know like the gang culture in kansas city is is, is old it's not new like Mm. A lot of the, even a lot of the, you know, Black Panthers had built offices in the Midwest, in Chicago mm-hmm. and Kansas City and such. So a lot of these uh, communities have roots from like the 70s. So it's not something that just manifested overnight. Right. And, right. you know, coming from someone like me, I look at it from the perspective that, hey, you know, at least now people that are wondering what these, you know, they, they call us Hawaiyat, you know, these, like people back on in Africa, you know, in Sudan and such, a lot of them wonder what us that grew up in the U.S. or in, in, in Europe or whatever, what it was like growing up there. And, hey, I got to tell them the truth. Right. You want to know how we grew up? This is how we grew up. Mm. Is it the same thing? Like uh, some other friends, they'd be like, they think you like going to be rich in the next 10 years and <laughs> <laughs> you like live the life and all that. Yeah, they have this, uh, and I guess that comes from, it goes back to maybe colonization mm. or colonialism or whatever that you want to call it. Um, mm. They have this this weird vision that, you know, the West 
this this magical <laughs> place, you know, where all dreams come true overnight, you know. <laughs> and it's it's not really like that. <laughs> it's real out here. <laughs> and again, now now we're laughing about it, but um just to put it into perspective, uh people suffer differently. You know, so they may look at us to where what we're talking about and be like, well, this is nothing. You know, we don't need, mm. we don't even have sidewalks to walk on to, to go get our groceries and you over here. You, but like I said, people suffer differently and, and, you know, your threshold of pain may, may not be the same as mine, you know, and mm -hmm. that's not to take away from what you've gone through or what the next person or the listener has gone through. Mm -hmm. We just have to understand that we suffer differently. We have to appreciate each other. Mm -hmm. We have to hear each other. Mm. I um, when speaking about decolonization, there's I imagine there's there's a, a host of of younger artists that maybe they be reaching out to. You. I know they DM me, you know they DM <laughs> you. Yeah. Rami, look man, I'm trying to do X Y Z. I want you to listen to the SoundCloud. I want you to see this thing that I'm doing. And what has been something that you've consistently told them about? perfecting what they do and being genuine and what can you say to, to those younger folks um that are that are they're trying to they, they yeah. see you and they, they say man i want to do that too so aside from the typical you know practice your craft and all that that's important but to me the number one thing is being yourself as cliche as it sounds mm -hmm. because you got to understand there's no one out there in this world that can tell your story better than you. Mm -hmm. And you cannot tell someone's story better than them. So trying to be like someone else or this and that, that's not gonna work because at the end of the day, there's only one you. And you'll be doing yourself a disservice and your audience a disservice by not being your genuine self. Mm -hmm. So while you're out there perfecting your craft, whatever it may be, practicing, do that, but also be genuine. And don't hold back on your emotions. Mm. Let your emotions flow in your artwork. Because mm. that's what people that that's that's the work that's that's got longevity. Mm. You know, whatever may be popping now is, is the cool thing at the moment. But if you want a fan base that's gonna support you 10, 20 years from now when you're doing reunion tours and whatever, mm. it's the people that connect with you on that deep emotional level. Mm -hmm. You know. So just, I tell them always, man, I just tell them just, number one question is, I listen to it and I'm like, is this who you really are? Hmm. That's the number one thing I ask these, a lot of young artists that, you know, hit up my DM. Mm -hmm. And what did they I re say? I'll respect <laughs> you way more if you're being who you are and you whack at it, yeah. than if you're amazing at what you do, but it's it's fake. You yeah. hit me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what, and, I mean, what? they respect it. They 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 respect it. A lot of people do listen, and and so I'm glad. I'm doing that. Yeah, no, I'm 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 hundred percent with you. One of the things I always be like, yo, if you were loved, it's oh, it's it's it's, it's okay to 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 express that. Yeah. And to, you know, if you were loved, it's okay. It's okay to 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 show the world through your art that that was a reality, yeah. and. It's disrespectful to, for people who may, didn't have that reality for you to act like that was your constant reality. So Absolutely. I just I appreciate you. I hundred percent appreciate you because I feel like now, especially, especially within today's age of just endless opinion, and I think, I think sometimes I don't even say our youth, but people period they, they think spazzing being angry is a mm -hmm. personality that you can just take on and off yeah not understanding that people who are, are are righteously frustrated and righteously um you know upset and furious that their container has been filled with certain things that maybe you haven't experienced mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have to honor those that, that light that you've had that you've had and you know people have had darkness but um, yeah. that's something that I've always I mean because I have parents that are just they ain't play that they yeah. be like yo we might live you know certain places you might see certain things going on you might you know whatever but let me tell you something like we sacrifice blah, 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 for you to do X, yeah. Y, Z <laughs> like, yeah. 
don't play. Like don't don't even no, don't even try to play. So you know, right, just right. Thank for that. Um, just thank you, thank you for that. Um, where, I guess, where where can people keep up with with the journey that you're on? Um, like what you know, what's some of your handles? Um, what websites can they check out your stuff on and all of that? Yeah. So at real Rami Dawood, R A M E Y D A W O U D. That's my IG and my Twitter. Um, I'm on I'm on Instagram the most, man. I, <laughs> I haven't hopped on the TikTok wave yet, you know. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with it, to be honest with That's you. That's what I'm saying. Like, if I get it, I'm probably just going to be watching other people. Like, I don't exactly. see myself doing any of that. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'm on Instagram, man. So follow me, check out my work. <laughs> and while we're at it, um, I don't want to keep you too long, but I just want to say this, uh, you know, for, for, for upcoming artists or whatever. Don't fall in love with the social media hype. Mm. that's another very important thing mm. yes it's important it's very important to be active on social media i'm not mm. taking away from from that at all but even more important is being active in real life mm. instagram can decide to shut down tomorrow yeah you don't own your followers list right you don't have control over your followers list but what you can have somewhat control over are the real fans that come out to see you on stage mm-hmm Right. Once Instagram decided that MySpace was the big thing, yep. that, that, that went out. You know, there's always a new wave. There's always new things coming. So you, you don't always keep chasing. If you try to chase the, the hottest, latest thing, you're going to always be chasing. You're never going to win that race. Yeah. Go yeah. out in the real world and build yourself in the real world. Market yourself in front of real people. Shake hands. Well, I don't know about shaking hands now with the COVID-19. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you get the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Yeah. Yo, I think that's yo. So one of the bl- I was talking to another. Actually, I was talking to a, another brother, um, and I was telling him. He was like, well, you know, what, you know, what? How long have you been, you know, doing poetry and working, and you know, what can you say? And and I was like, yo, I've I've had a more than a decade long history of getting up on stage in front of real people real human beings right. and making a fool of myself mm-hmm. and, and committing errors and, and, and screwing up and, and feeling that sick to your stomach feeling when you yeah. mess up a line or, or something like that. I've had that in real time. So approaching the internet is easy. <laughs> like, right. It's like nothing. It's, it's, you know, it's There's nothing like putting in the real work and, and inshallah it will pay off because I tell you, this is a real story. <laughs> go ahead. In go ahead. in 09, right? Mm-hmm. I've been at this for a minute. So right. in 09, I was performing in Kansas City. It was like in the hood, right? It was this uh-huh. uh it was one of those shows where whoever brings the most people and they cheer for them and whatever. I got booed off stage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And my brothers were there, some of my homies were there. So it was that shit hurt. My bad. I don't mean to cuss. <laughs> you good. Uh, it hurt. I kept if I had quit. Tell me a year from that moment, a year later in 2010, I was in Kenya performing in front of huge crowds. Wow! Exactly a year later, just because I kept at it. You get me? Mm-hmm. I was in Kenya for three weeks. I got invited to go out and perform with another artist out there, and and I was in a music video, and 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 it was just a whole different world for me that that opened a bunch of doors. Mm-hmm. So bad things will happen. <laughs> Don't expect it, but it's all about, you know, um, if you could weather the storm and just keep grinding. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really happy you said that because I'm thinking about also Dave Chappelle when he said he said you gotta happen in real life. Yeah. And so that's uh he said a year later. That's crazy. That's that's yeah. a whole other yeah, yeah, we need a whole documentary <laughs> episode <laughs> about that. But you you know that 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 stump that your chest drop to your stomach type of feeling. Mm-hmm. I find myself now trying to chase that. Do you, do you do you find yourself trying to do like I want to put myself in the lion's den again? Yeah, you know they say you know you never you never really um, you never really build or you never really find that missing piece of yourself until you put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, man. Um, Definitely go out there if, if you're afraid of performing in front of a big audience. You know, sign up for that open mic and go do it. Right. You know, what's right. the worst that can happen? Right. 
You're gonna I'm choke yeah, so exactly. what? <laughs> so what? You know the comedian uh, on Instagram, his name is Haha Davis. Yeah. So I really appreciated his transparency. So he was doing an interview and he told the people there, he was like, Yeah, the first time I did comedy, I had this, like exposure. Mm-hmm. I was horrible. It was yeah. more than sixty seconds. I had to do it. He's like, I had to do a twenty minute set. <laughs> man, I thought I was oh, going to and I was happy he said that because it's like people probably really don't know that you really got to put the time in to be able to hold people's attention in that way. So it's uh, not easy, man. It's not easy by any means, but you know, and it's weird because like someone like me, I'm a very like when I'm not on stage, I'm a very quiet and reserved person. Like I'm almost. I don't want to use the word shy, but like, I don't like attention. Mm-hmm. You get me? So it's not easy for someone like me to get on stage and face the audience. Right. But once you do it, you know, you do it enough times, it, it beca- you just develop that part of you that maybe right. was, was, it was always there. It was just weak. It needed to be strengthened. And, you know, repetition will strengthen that. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so you said since '09, and I guess maybe because you know, so, so people always ask the technical questions. Yeah, I mean, what, I've been rapping since before then, but that event took place in '09. Yeah, I'm. I could say, would you say that was kind of the the birth of? I'm gonna do this for real. Yeah. Then you know, I'm gonna do this in front of people. This is gonna be something I'm gonna consistently do. That was '09. Yeah, that's when I had really started like performing. Okay. Yeah, '08, '09, around there. What does what does an artist so if I want to rap, mm-hmm. what do I need? Tech 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 uh, what is it technology wise? Mm-hmm. What do I need right now? Like bare bones. What are the only things I need if I wanted to start just trying to get my 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 career together tomorrow? Well, um, number one, invest. Find a team of people before you get up before you get the microphone before you get Mm, the speakers and the headphones you need to get you a team of people that love you people that care about you they have the same vision as you and they're willing to support you Mm -hmm. because no matter how good you are how good you get you can't make it on your own Mm. you need a team behind you that aside get you a microphone speakers uh headphones and you got your laptop, and you can make music just with those things. Mm, okay, all right. The gateway, the gateways are open. And listen to listen to your favorite artists, not just their music, but listen to them their interviews. That's something I do to this day. Mm-hmm. When I need some inspiration, I will go on YouTube and put J Cole interview, mm-hmm. and just listen to him talk, mm. and that'll inspire me because a lot of times we look up to these people that have maybe in a position that where we dream to be mm-hmm. and uh, it's almost like they become superhuman, but they're not, they're regular people like us. They feel pain. They feel sadness. They feel happiness, excitement, everything. And when you listen to them talking, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of, uh, you become, uh, you see them be humble in themselves mm-hmm. and you can connect to them on a, on a human. Well, okay. So they're like me really. Mm. They've been practicing. They just took this route while I take that route. Hello. Oh, okay, good, good. No, you went out for a little bit. So, so oh, okay. yeah. the the um, I was okay. The very the very last question. Very, I promise you, it's the last one. <laughs> No, I'm I'm enjoying this conversation. I no, forgot it's an interview, man. Just, <laughs> we just, just having a conversation. No, that's good. <laughs> so you said that you are reserved away from a stage, away from a mic. Yeah. Right. And but you but you you're good. You dope. Which means that it only has to take uh, a certain cycle of events for you to be more exposed to the public. And so have you thought about <laughs> afterwards? 
is that something can you, that's in the can you repeat that one more time? How I what? How you would manage being more exposed to the public after mm-hmm. after a cycle of events that pushes your work farther out there. So, like, if I make it to the next level of my career, you saying how I would handle being whatever that like might be. Whatever that might be. They yeah. say, you know, we need to book you for, for 30,000 people at such and such arena. Yeah. Have you prepared so, yourself <laughs> for that mentally? Yeah, yeah <laughs> man. Because it's like, I've trained myself to, when I'm on stage, I'm not going to say I'm a different person because everything I do in life now, my out- out- outlook is that I have a, it's like an onion. There's different layers to me. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to bring out certain sides of my personality and my being in specific situations Mm. so when i'm on stage i'm energetic and i'm jumping all over the place and this and that and then like as soon as my set is done like you won't hear a peep from me i'm just (laughs) (laughs) i go back into my shell in a way right so yeah yeah i've trained myself to do that man even now like if i'm performing in front of a just a couple hundred people you know, it's uh, I, I just bring that out when I'm on stage, and again, it's once you once once you know once the crowd is feeling you and you know that they're feeling you, you become relaxed a little bit. You can breathe, you know, <laughs> get a lot more comfortable. Right, and so I'm thinking about, I guess, the other side of whatever industry, entertainment, all that. Mm. And this had this is this has to do with when you're not on stage. <laughs> yeah. The. Bro, I, I I mess with your vision. I'm trying to get XYZ. I never met you from nowhere. I don't know you from, from a can of paint. I, you yeah. know, what's happening? I got this project. I want you on. And so that's cool when it's the first seven people. But what happens yeah. when it's... <laughs> when it's <laughs> every time you go to, go to try to... I remember Wale saying... When he's trying to get something to eat and they can't... Yeah. <laughs> I remember him saying that he feels anxiety when he has to get up in a restaurant and use the bathroom because he yeah. knows somebody's going to try to pitch him while he's, you know, trying to try to relieve himself. So, yeah. Um, yeah, be mentally prepared for that. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to say, you know, um, hit me up on IG, send me a DM, you know. But don't run up on me in these streets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nah, man, you know, it's crazy because, like, people might see you on social media and they'll judge you off of that and they expect you to behave in a certain way mm-hmm. in real life. Uh-huh. And a lot of times they're shocked, like, they're not the person who they expected you to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like, people have this image in their head of you that's, <laughs> that's made up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, just be yourself, man. Like I said, it all goes back to just being you. Just do you. Right. That's going to make you happy. You know, people might be pissed off at first, but at the end of the day, who cares, man? Just be yourself. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just take care of your, your, your mental state and just be you. you know? That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. Well, Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm, I'm thank you for you. You came on, man, and um, this was definitely a, a pleasure for me. And um, inshallah, it's it is a source of hope and healing and uh it's a call out to to younger artists and artists who shoot they might not even be younger they might be trying to find their way so you know we got this on record so that people can listen to the real rami dawood i don't know about any other than rami dawood but it's the real (laughs) one um and all the work that you that you've been doing man so um you know just, just me just casting my flowers into the basket and I pray Allah protects you and protects your work and, and preserves your work. Preserves your work. I mean, brother, and, and same to you. Thank you. You know, may Allah continue um, sending success and health your way and your family. Thank you for having me. Like, I really enjoyed this. It wasn't even an interview. We just just, just yeah, chatting, you know, just, <laughs> just kicking it. And inshallah, this is the first of many, brother. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Because we got to get into the nitty gritty more about uh, the professional side of things, you yeah. know, what are the, the mechanics of those things? And I think it would be good to do another one that, that features that. So, cause I know it may be some other people who are on maybe the next level yeah. who really need to put that team together and know what the functions of that team are and, and all that. So 
Absolutely. We'll double back. I'm, I'm going to put a rain check on that. So now I, I got you. I got you. All right. Anytime, man. Hit me up anytime. Inshallah. All right. Sound like Yeah. This the martyr song. Yeah. For all the martyrs gone. From my brother Simon. Breakfast is tear gas and burnt tires head. Digging in your flesh, bullets from the liar's hair. You put your fist in the air and walk through the fire here. 30 minutes later, your life will expire here. Promise you'll come back to me safe, your mama said. That's when you're gonna feel the hollow tip drilling your head. You'll be sorry that you left her message on red. Before you could reply, they gonna shoot you dead. Last night in the cold, my sister faced the heat. This morning, we found her braided hair along the street. Same evening, she came back home, bruised up and beat. She refused to wear the uniform of defeat. Last week, my neighbor's kid went to play outside. Sharp teeth, bullets would seek while he would hide. One bullet bit him on the neck, the other on the side. Now he's fast asleep on his last ride. If you ever wonder why I act so weird You killed my brother and forced me to watch him bleed A bullet in your heart is all I need I can imagine revenge would taste so sweet Does the pain ever go away? Hardly All the tears dripping down my face Probably Just imagine waking up and the first thing you see is Your brother's soul leaving his body Not life is ham Come from a 